show number three, Mike. How you doing? We survived. We're here. <laughs> we survived. We I'm... made it past the first two. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm a little cold. Holy cow. I I am um, I, I question why I live here this time of year every year. <laughs> I'm checking the weather right now where I'm at. I'm in Phoenix at a family member's house. It's sixty-two degrees. So it's a little little cold. Oh here my too. gosh. <laughs> you are three times warmer than what we are. <laughs> I'm not gonna complain. Pretty ridiculous. My run this morning was brutal. I went at sunrise, had to wear gloves. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I went at sunrise as well, and I had to wear Gore-Tex tights, a uh, long sleeve shirt, a puffy jacket, a uh, buff, a beanie, and my ski gloves. <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and what's the worst is like, like everything that's showing gets cold, so my face. But everything else gets hot. So I start sweating. I get this awkward, like uncomfortable, like my face is freezing, but I'm hot everywhere else. So I start taking my hat off and then I instantly get cold because I have all this sweat up there. It's just a process for these next two or three months. <laughs> Dude, you guys got to move to Arizona. You're down here all the time anyways. You got Cocodona, ATY, um, Desert Solstice, all these events, dude. I'm coming so, back mid-January for a speaking gig, like... I think the world is telling me that I need to move to Phoenix. <laughs> but it's yeah. not, it's unfortunately not telling Sarah that though. <laughs> something needs to happen for her to get on board. <laughs> Maybe she'll get frostbite or something this winter and then be like, okay, let's get out of here. <laughs> well, I don't want to wish that on her, but if that's what <laughs> happens to get us to Phoenix, then I might welcome it. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, Sarah, I like you too a lot. Uh, I hope you don't uh, get frostbite, but I do hope yeah. you guys move to Phoenix. That'd be rad, at least for the yeah. winter. <laughs> um, yeah, how was your running week, though? Anything uh, exciting happen? Or are you just kind of training for ATY now? Yeah, so last week, um, it's kind of the transition because I am still coming off Arizona, and so I'm still kind of tired. <laughs> I've been planning on doing a bunch of cross-training this winter, and then I just uh, got the urge to sign up for another race because I didn't want Arizona Trail to be my end to 2022. So uh, basically last week was my peak week and I went from like hardly running at all to trying to peak out to get ready for this race. So it was kind of a weird transition, but uh, the hardest part of last week, dude, just because it's cold right now. Mm-hmm. And also because I'm trying to like numb my mind a little bit for the one mile loop that I'm going to be running at ATY. But I decided last week to do my long run on the treadmill I ended up doing four hours, ended up being 28 miles and holy cow, like I haven't told many people this, but, uh, I've been toying with the idea of going after the 48 hour world record on a treadmill. And that four hour experience was a quite the reality check for me. (laughs) I don't think I'm going after that anytime soon. (laughs) Dude, I can't even imagine 48 hours on a treadmill. That just sounds awful. Oh my gosh. I think the record is like roughly around 250 miles last I checked from what I remember at least, but it's, it's a solid number for sure. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds like one of the most difficult endurance feats out there as far as like a mental challenge and a physical challenge. Well, after the episode, I'll tell you something that's actually the hardest mental challenge that I've ever heard of, but that's totally off the subject. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll touch on that later then depending on what it is. Yeah, for sure. 
What about you though? How was your week? It was good. Um, started actually starting to run again. Um, I raced a week ago on Saturday, just a local 50k. Um, so it was fun. I learned quite a bit from it, and so I took a couple of days off, had a massage, did a little bit of hiking, and um, only did like 40 miles last week. So not a ton of mileage, but um, I did sign up for Cold Water Rumble down here in Phoenix. So that's three weeks away, or three and a half weeks, or something. So what is that? How like, uh, how far? I'm doing the 52k. Um, this is here in like Phoenix, one of the regional parks, but that's just kind of a training race to get ready for Black Canyon, which is then four weeks after that. So it's kind of just like, I don't really race a lot and I've been trying to like get better at it because I realized when I do race that I learn a lot of stuff. And then if I don't race for four months, I forget it all. So I'm trying to be (laughs) a lot more consistent with my racing because I notice my fitness improves and I just enjoy running more because it doesn't get hard every time. I feel like when I, yeah. I run a race and I don't run for a week or two and then I start running again, it just kills me. And it's like, oh man, running sucks. <laughs> and it, it doesn't suck. I love it. <laughs> but with the consistency is there. So it's been good though. It's like fun having a lot of time, I guess, to like more downtime when you're either tapering or recovering. Um, but at the same time, it's fun to get back to running again. Like I did a workout this morning and, and it was kind of hard to run fast, but like, I enjoyed it. So it was a lot of fun. Nice. And I would say you live in the perfect area for racing a little bit more because what Aravipa pumps out seems like a race every weekend at this point. <laughs> Man, yeah, they have races literally like every weekend or every other weekend, at least in the winter. Summer um, has died down a little bit, but just because it's so hot. But it's um, crazy. Yeah, the winter running down here is just primo. It's a, it's a good time to actually get mileage in. Yeah, I'm looking forward to next week. We're heading down on Tuesday. Can't get here soon enough. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can acclimate to the heat, the whole uh, 60 degree thing. Hey, it's quite the difference in temperature from negative five to 60 or whatever. Like, holy oh, cow. Dude, that's 65 degree temperature swing. Like that's massive. I know it's nuts. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess we're going to speak about like, what is an animal based diet today? And then just thinking of diet, do you try anything new this week? That's just different than your usual thing or you just kind of do the same old Let's see. I tried something new in a negative sense. <laughs> What'd you do? Straight um, glucose? Straight glucose. <laughs> no, so there's um I mean, with the holidays and everything now, it's definitely harder to like avoid foods that you don't care for. Mm-hmm. Um and we went to a it was an ugly sweater Christmas party last week with a bunch of friends from high school. And like I usually it's not a thing for me to go to a party and like there's always going to be food that I don't eat at these parties. And usually I'll just bring my own food or eat before I go and just not eat. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for this, I just decided to like, you know, let loose a little bit. And for me, letting loose meant having like some Siete uh, tortilla chips, which uses cassava flour instead of wheat flour. And then I also, uh, I didn't even think to like, check the ingredients but somebody brought this spinach artichoke dip and like i would say that spinach artichoke dip is one of my weaknesses i love that stuff (laughs) and so i was going to town on this stuff and i started feeling my stomach start gurgling a little and like some like weird digestive stuff going on and so i went over and looked at the ingredients on that and obviously had like this i can't remember what it was it was a type of seed oil and i was like oh yeah my stomach doesn't like this stuff (laughs) your body's like wtf is this (laughs) <laughs> yeah what are you doing to me right now <laughs> yeah but no funny. aside from that um nothing oh i did i did try some costco ribs last week like they're pre-made ones or something or yeah yeah, yeah. i uh 
they weren't good. <laughs> it was my mom's birthday last week. And so we messaged them and we're like, Hey, we'll feed you guys dinner tonight and, you know, play games or something. And, uh, by the end of the day, I was like, crap, I didn't make any dinner for tonight. What are we going to do? <laughs> so we, we looked at all the restaurants in the area and we were just like, Oh, let's just go to Costco. We gotta go there anyway to get something. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I got some pre-made ribs took over and my parents loved it, but that's because they haven't had real ribs, I guess. <laughs> but uh, I, I thought they were disgusting. Holy cow. Yeah. Last time I had store-bought ribs, I was in, where was I? I was in Boulder or Denver somewhere for a shoot. And I was uh-huh. in a hurry. So I'm like, I'll just go to King Super. It's like fries or Safeway or whatever. And I go there and they just had ribs. I'm like, oh, sweet. I didn't look at the ingredients or anything. I just started eating them. And I was just like, oh, this is good for like the first couple bites. And then I was like, oh, I feel terrible. And I ate the entire <laughs> rack because I was starving. But then I looked at the ingredients. I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is just full of straight garbage. And yeah. So I, I Well, like... in both these stories we just shared, uh, the negative effect of our choice was not looking at the ingredients list so i think that's a sign that one of these upcoming episodes we should talk about the importance of looking at the ingredients on quote-unquote keto-friendly foods or whatever totally like not to get too off topic but like man those keto-friendly foods oh like a lot of them are just franken foods that aren't even real food yeah it's, it's kind of disgusting but we should well, yeah even even meats though too like <laughs> like sirloin steak even you can buy a sirloin steak like i costco has this pre-made sirloin steak that i was thinking of getting for my mom uh, for dinner that night and mm-hmm. looked at the ingredients list and there was something in it that just didn't need to be there so even yeah. meat has crap in it that you if you're not careful for you could consume yeah it's pretty insane you think it'd be so simple it's like okay just buy some meat buy some fruit but then it's like if you buy anything in a package it's always has some sort of additive in it or a filler or whatever it's disgusting not good for you yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) but i guess thinking about that then so like today's episode because i i guess we kind of realized that we jumped into this without even discussing like what an animal-based diet is like oh it's just the show and this we got all excited about we talked about liver and liver king and all these things and it's like (laughs) oh like what even is this so we're kind of backtracking i guess on episode three to what should be episode one but um, i'm actually really excited to talk about it because like i think basics are just so important and fundamental and it's easy to get lost in the weeds especially in nutrition and like, yeah, it shouldn't be complicated. Like such a simple thing, really. Yeah. And you see a lot of different definitions. You see a lot of different definitions of animal-based diets too. And you would think it's a simple description, but it's, it's really not. And so, yeah, it's definitely something that we should focus on and talk about right now. I think it would be good though, too, to <clears throat> define what a diet is because this is an animal-based diet. Uh, something that peeves me off to my core, <laughs> like it, uh, it actually gets me kind of angry, <laughs> yeah, but I, I see this phrase everywhere specifically amongst nutritionists and it's diet culture. Uh, I don't know. Have you, have you seen that phrase quite a bit yeah, all the time, like online and within like family and friends, like especially in the yeah. running community as well. And it's not just diet, it's diet culture. Mm-hmm. And they, they use it in that phrase to make it sound negative. And yeah, I would agree that like the real diet culture can be negative because it's so restrictive. It's to the point where you like start binge eating around holidays. Like we're seeing the word diet culture, I guess the phrase diet culture a lot right now. 
because it's nearing the holidays and people are wondering what's acceptable in terms of treats and pie and cake. Like, what should I eat? What shouldn't I eat? And so the phrase diet culture comes up. And I would say that, first of all, let's just define what the word diet is. So uh, on, on the Webster's Dictionary, diet is defined as the kinds of food that a person, animal, or community habitually eats. And that's all it says. The second definition is a special course of food to which one restricts oneself either to lose weight or for medical reasons. And so there's two different definitions. There's diet in the sense that most people like what they think about it, like I'm going on a diet. And then there's the other diet, which is what we habitually eat. And those are two totally different things, right? Yeah, exactly. And it bothers me people conflate the, or they kind of use the two words interchangeably. It's like diet and diet. It's like, okay, like yeah. you can be on a diet and then you also have your diet and they're not the yep. same thing, even though it is the same word. They're two very, very different things. Cause like if you're on a diet, it's like, I'm going on a keto diet for say a month or two months, three months or something. Then your diet is just what you eat every day. So like if you were just consistently eating meat and meat and milk, if that's all you ate every day, that's just your diet. You're not on a diet. You're just, that's just your diet. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. You just cut out a little bit. So hopefully that transfers over to the audio. You'll find. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, like when you, yeah. Like, so the keto diet, like you just brought up the keto diet. So the the crazy thing that people don't understand is that once you start cutting out the junk, so you, you could, you could go into an eating style with the purpose of going on a diet to lose weight. Okay. I think most people who change their nutritional preferences, a lot of times it's for weight loss and for health reasons, just like the definition said. Mm -hmm. So you could go into it with that mentality. But the thing that a lot of people don't realize is if you follow that diet long enough, your cravings like go out the window and you start to crave the real nutritionist food. You crave nutrient dense food. You crave stuff like liver you crave fruit, you crave meat, you crave all these things because your body's like, oh, wow, this is real food. This is what I want to eat. And so if you do it long enough and those temptations, not temptations, but like those cravings start to go out the window, you could transition from being on a diet to making this your diet, your lifestyle, right? Yeah, 100%. You can do that. And I think that's like the main thing is like, if you're on a diet, like people or nutritionists always say like a diet isn't sustainable. And that's true. Like if you're restricting your body to eat only a certain amount of calories per day or certain things, like you're on a diet and most people cannot stick to that for the rest of their lives. But if you're just like, if you're just eating real food, if like your diet is just real food, you're not going to have these binges and cravings and stuff because you're just eating real nutrient dense food. And that's what your body really wants. And like, if you kind of think about it, like, Maybe like a, a cocaine addict is just addicted to cocaine. Your body wants that. It's craving that, but it doesn't need that. And and so you're just kind of, I don't know, like that's essentially the same thing, I guess, is all I'm trying to say. It's like, right. Yeah. I didn't explain that very well, but I think you kind of get my drift, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, don't let, don't let people like try to make you think that the way you eat is like a diet in the sense of you're doing this for, to lose weight or to like, for medical reasons or whatever. Don't let people try to convince you that if you're cutting out certain foods like carbs and sweets, that, that you're dieting, like that's not the case. Mm -hmm. And so 
you know, the reason we're talking about this right now, and we wanted to make sure that we define diet as we saw a post today that a nutritionist shared that was saying that it was a a post about like treats that you can and shouldn't eat this time of year. And basically the ones that you shouldn't eat is like ones that you're allergic to basically, or something like that. Yeah. And the ones that you should eat are the ones that you want to eat. And then the, the bio of the post basically said like, you know, use the word diet or the phrase diet culture a couple of times, but it was saying like, you know, restricting treats this time of year is a part of diet culture or whatever. And I, you know, I, I guess I could agree with that because that is a part of diet culture. But if you're at a part or if you're at a point in your diet where you don't care for that stuff, like I'm not going to have ice cream, I'm not going to have cake, I'm not going to have all these like treats this time of year. And that's just because I don't want to anymore. I don't crave it. I'd essentially be forcing myself to eat it just to be socially acceptable. And you don't need to do that. Yeah, it's like peer pressure to do drugs or something, which doesn't yeah, make any exactly. sense. <laughs> there, there's the cocaine reference. You you full circled it. Yeah, there we go. I finally got my thought complete. It just took a couple minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it is interesting though how like like whenever I post about food and stuff, people I'll get comments like, Are you trying to lose weight? Like, why do you want to lose weight? I'm like, I'm not trying to lose weight. I'm just want to be healthy. Like eating a healthy diet, like just eating real food is not necessarily like a lot of people will use it to lose weight, but it's like it's just being healthy. And like, why as a society do we shame people or try to like, okay, you're eating healthy. You must be trying to like lose weight or something. It's like, no, I just want to be able to eat well, <laughs> and like feel good and perform. Like, why is that like stigmatized as a negative thing? Like, I, I really don't get it. I feel like we've really backtracked as a society. Like, I feel like, you know, decades ago or whatever, like people who like ate junk were viewed weird mm-hmm. because what, like decades ago, like you didn't see a lot of overweight people. And yeah. so, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that when more overweight people started to pop up that they were viewed in a negative manner, which isn't good. And so I feel like society tried shifting to like this middle ground where you accept people who choose not to eat healthy. And then in that process, they've like basically like made a complete 180 and now they're not accepting people who choose to eat healthy. Like we just need to get back to a middle ground where we accept both sides of, of how people eat. Yeah, exactly. It's weird that like you get shamed for being healthy, but or trying to be healthy anyways. And I, I think a lot of that is it's maybe like jealousy might not be the right word, but just like you're kind of upset with somebody because they're doing things to make their life better. So you're kind of jealous in a sense. It's like it's like these like an yeah. armchair quarterback, for example, in sports. It's like like, oh, yeah, like you oh, you suck, you suck, you suck. But it's like, well, what are you doing? You're sitting on the couch eating <laughs> Cheetos and drinking Mountain Dew. It's like, OK, cool. That's great but you're just jealous of these people that are actually high-performing athletes or coaches or something. And not that I'm saying like eating healthy makes you like a high-performing athlete, but necessarily. Right. But it's kind of the same concept there. And it, it's so strange to me. It's like, you should be supportive of people that are trying to do like positive things with their life. Yeah. I mean, we're a very critical society. So like, <laughs> basically like if people aren't doing things exactly like you are, then you feel the need to criticize them. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you feel like you have this well-balanced diet and then you see people who don't and you see people who have a more well-balanced diet than you do. And you feel threatened by both and you like feel the need to like attack both of them because they're not doing things exactly like you. And that's totally backwards of, of how it should be. Yeah, like that's it's kind of insane to think about that. Like, oh, like, well, this guy, maybe he falls an animal based diet for like 99% of the time and then also has like, I don't know, candy on his runs or something occasionally. It's like, who am I to criticize you? Like it's, it's your life, it's your body, do what you want with it. And if it works for you, like, that's great. Like you should be happy for somebody 
that's doing yeah. what's right is all I'm trying to say or trying to do what's right. And we're not all perfect either. So no, yeah. no, I, I think all, all that we're trying to say is don't let people shame you into eating junk. If that's what you don't want to do, if you want to eat some junk on occasion, then that's totally fine. But if you don't want to, then that's just as fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. And so then, I don't know, Mike, do you want to just like in your words, because we talked about when we started, like people have different, different definitions for what an animal-based diet is or an, I don't know, carnivore diet essentially. So like, how would you sum up an animal-based diet? Oh, me personally, I would just, the way I would say it is that you're eating foods primarily uh, that are animal byproducts. So for me, like that includes meat, that includes dairy, and that even includes honey because, you know, honey is from an animal, it's from a bee. And I know that there are people who follow an animal diet that would disagree, uh, but I believe that those all qualify for animal-based diets. And I would also say too, though, that you can follow an animal-based diet and still have fruit. Uh, I don't know if animal-based diet, or I don't know if like fruit would actually fit the metrics of an animal-based diet, but you can follow an animal-based diet like 95% of the time and that other 5% of the time have something like fruit uh, to, to top off glycogen or to give you some energy, like whatever reason you would choose to eat fruit. But that's how I personally would do it. What about you? Yeah, I think there's, I kind of look at it as like animal-based is like plant-based because plant-based doesn't necessarily mean vegan as far as I've been told from vegans right. and plant-based eaters or whatever you want to call them. Um, so to me, like a carnivore diet is just strictly eating meat, like zero carb, mm -hmm. eating meat and fat. Like you're not going to have honey, even though it is technically an animal product, but they go for the whole zero carb approach. And that's right. kind of like with vegans where it's like you only eat like straight up vegan food, whereas like someone who is plant-based and maybe I'm wrong about this, but what I've been told is like you, you base your diet off of plant products. And then if you want to have like some eggs occasionally or something you do, so you're not necessarily vegan. Whereas right. like with a, like an animal based diet, it's kind of like that on that same vein of like, yeah, you make most of your calories come from meat and animal products. So like, like meat, chicken, fish, um, dairy, honey, whatever. And then if you want to add fruit, like you add in fruit, but fruit is not like the base of your diet. It's just like supplemental to the animal products. Right. If fruit was the base of your diet, then you'd be closer to a fruitarian, right? Yeah, you have a fruit-based diet, I guess. <laughs> or a fruit-based diet. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just, I just Googled it because now I'm curious, but yeah. I mean, it, it says exactly what you just said to say a meal plan is animal-based basically means it consists primarily of animal foods. Yeah. Um, and the term was actually, it brings up Paul Saladino. The term was popularized by Dr. Paul Saladino, also known as carnivore MD. But yeah, so primarily when it, when you say it's blank based, you're just saying it's primarily based on that source of, of food. Yeah, 100%. And I think we talked about this a little bit last time in the show, but like, like you st well, I don't know about you, but like I, I start my day mainly or generally with like a higher protein, higher fat diet or not diet, just food sources. So I'll have like eggs and meat or whatever. And then maybe later in the day, I'd carbohydrates if I'm not doing like a workout or something. Right. Yeah. And I'd say too, based on that definition, I, I'm curious to hear what you think, but that would even imply that sometimes keto is not animal based because yep. you do eat meat on a keto diet, but you could also eat a lot of vegetables and a lot of other things when you're on a keto diet. Yeah, I'm sure you could do like a, a vegan or a plant-based keto diet. I think it'd be a pain in the butt because you've eaten a lot of avocados, probably a lot of coconut, 
like where would you get your fat from like from a vegetable like a vegetable source like avocados and coconut coconut oil macadamia like nuts i guess i mean you got coconut oil yeah that's true there's a lot of coconut oil though and i mean like the whole basis of a keto diet is more fat than protein mm-hmm. and technically you could get a lot of your fat from avocados and coconut oil and so there i mean technically you could do it without eating a lot of meat yeah, you, I guess you could. Like, if you really looked at your macros every day and whatever, you could do it. Like, if you just ate like lean cuts of meat, for example, I'm just throwing out like a scenario, I guess. But like, eat a little bit of protein and then like mass amounts of coconut oil and avocados and stuff. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could definitely do it. I don't know if I'd want to by any means, but you could do it. <laughs> well, I mean, when I started a keto diet, I was doing a bunch of like hot drinks. Like, um, have you heard of Creo Brew? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't drink coffee, but for those who don't know, Creole brew is just it's 100% ground cacao beans. And so I would drink Creole brew and just load that with uh, coconut oil. And like I just focus a lot because the thing with the keto diet is they say to avoid too much protein because through gluconeogenesis, excess protein can turn into uh, glucose. And so when I started the keto diet, I was doing, I was trying my best to like limit my meat intake because I was paranoid of having too much protein. And so I guess in that sense, you like, yeah, this is a completely side tangent, but that definition got my brain turning a little bit. Yeah. I guess when I started doing, um, like keto as well, like years ago, I would do a lot of bulletproof coffee, which would be right. like butter and coconut oil or MCT oil or something in which you could just like, I don't know, I guess you could have it. Like, I don't know what you'd do for butter, like a vegan butter, which is terrible for you, but, <laughs> or you could just add MCT oil to it, I guess, and just have the MCTs there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause I guess butter is animal based. So that would make yeah. it a little bit more animal. Yeah. But yeah, that's a completely true. side tangent. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> We're really good at getting off on tangents. <laughs> well, I think some of the best podcasts just roll with the punches anyway. So <laughs> for sure. Um, so back to an animal based diet then. So we established that it's not a diet, but it's just diet. It's like, it's just your way of eating. So like, I don't know, personally, I eat a lot of meat. Um, like a gram of protein um, per pound of body weight. And so I eat as much as I can try to eat beef. Um, but I do like, I've been kind of doing avocado with um, with sardines or um, anchovies sometimes in the morning. Like it sounds gross, but I really like it. Like, you know, like those, the canned sardines you can get like at the grocery store. Yeah. yeah. I really like it because they have the bones and you get a lot of vitamin D from it. And for whatever reason, like it sits well in my stomach if I do those and then like some avocado. And like, it sounds weird as like a breakfast food, but like, I really enjoy it. Huh. That's yeah. not like my main thing gonna... every day, but you should try it. Yeah, I should try it. I, the last time I tried sardines was when I was on the, when I used to work at Ultra in their marketing department, uh-huh. I, I was just, I was always on the road. And so I started a keto diet when I was working for Ultra. And when I was on the road, I had to adapt and might find stuff that I could eat. And sardines was one of them that I tried and I just could not stomach it. So huh. Maybe maybe now that I can do liver, maybe sardines will be a little bit more tasty to my palate. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Like I've been buying these ones that are in uh, extra virgin olive oil and they have a little bit of lemon as well. And uh-huh. I think it's really good. Like I kind of crave it sometimes. And like <laughs> I eat it maybe like twice a week. Like I'm not doing it every day by any means, but it is like right. a really easy thing, especially when traveling, because you can get a couple of tins of those and like an avocado and some cheese and you can like crank down a bunch of calories and like quality food right there. And it's not overly expensive like it's cheaper than eating out and it's actually like real food 
Okay, I'll try it next week when I'm traveling to Arizona. That will be my lunch on one of our drive days. <laughs> Perfect. Let me know how that one goes. Okay, I will. Um, but that's a, that's okay, how man. I am too. Just yeah, I, I eat a lot of beef, a lot of meat, uh, a lot of eggs. I, I think I talked about, about this a little bit last week when we were talking about how to eat uh, an animal-based diet on a budget. <clears throat> so lots of eggs, lots of beef. Um, lots of fruit too. Like I, ever since I've been looking at more into Paul Saladino and what he preaches, I have been experimenting with fruit a little bit more. So usually for me, so I usually work out in the mornings. First thing I usually do either just a, a big run or run with some, some heavy weightlifting. And so usually like 99% of the time, my meal right after my workout is five to six eggs cooked in some grass fed butter. And I'll sprinkle some goat cheese into it. And then I'll do a couple ounces of liver. And then I also do a bowl of berries, heavy cream, banana, nut butter, and honey. And so it's a fairly good meal, or sorry, a fairly big meal just right after my workout. But then as the day goes on, I like progressively do less fruit since I'm getting further away from my workout. So for lunch, I might have an orange. And then for dinner, I'm not going to have any fruit. It's mostly a, a carnivore dinner um, just because I'm at that point, I'm about 10 or so hours away from my run. But yeah, lots of beef, eggs and fruit for me and dairy. Yeah, I think the dairy is a huge thing. Like, yeah, um, I like raw this dairy. morning. Yeah, raw dairy for sure. Um, I guess even then, though, like if you had to, like even just normal dairy, like not that it's like it's like the good, better, best thing we talked about last episode, like that's still better for you than going and getting croissants and donuts or whatever. So right. like, you had the option. Say you're traveling. It's like you can't find raw dairy. It's like, well, just find the best dairy you can get in the moment. And like, yeah, it's not ideal, but it's better. Yeah. yeah I forgot the brand, but if you go to natural grocers or Whole Foods, they do have a low temperature pasteurized milk. And so that, that is a good alternative if you don't have access to raw dairy in your area. I have to look for that. I've never seen it before. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll look it up and we'll put it in the show notes so people can reference that. Yeah. I think just thinking about it, like, so animal-based diet, you're eating a lot of meat and protein, but like within that meat, like it has a lot of things that you'd be missing out on say like like a plant-based diet or a vegan diet. Um, Like beef, for example, contains about a gram of creatine per pound and a lot of um, nutritionists and like bodybuilders and coaches and stuff recommend you getting five grams of creatine a day. So if you can get a couple grams of that through meat, like that's pretty awesome because you're not having to supplement with as much at that point. Right. Even though I still supplement with it. <laughs> oh, I do too. Like I, I take a drink or I have a drink mix. Take a drink mix. Sounds like I'm doing drugs or something. Um, <laughs> but it's a drink mix that has like, I think a gram of creatine in it. And it has some like Redmond's Real Salt and taurine and stuff. And I like that either before or like post-workouts or something. Because it helps with my creatine intake. Which yeah. is part of building muscle. And don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure that doctor we referenced either last week or in the first effort, first episode, um, James Denich or whatever. Um, I believe he says that it's more effective to take, to get your creatine after the workout. Okay. I'll have to, I'll have to look for that, but I'm 90% sure that's what he referenced, but I'm not sure why that's, that'd be something good to look. Well, it does like, as far as I understand, like it it can help increase blood flow and like it brings more liquid to your muscles, which is why you get kind of like that pump look, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it makes your muscles look bigger, but it's because there's more liquid in your muscles. So like it can even help to a certain extent, I think with cramping. I don't know if there's any studies about that, but just like anecdotally, like in my personal life, I've noticed that when I up my creatine intake, my cramps are less and they're less, mm-hmm. they're less intense and they're less frequent. And I kind of attribute that to just having more liquid flowing into my, my muscles and stuff. Nice. Yeah. Well, and, and two, if you are, if you are going to increase your meat consumption, or if you are going to supplement creatine, the, the creatine can have a, basically it can make your, your kidneys work a little bit more. And so it is important to make sure that you're getting enough liquid, um, getting enough hydration, if you're going to up your creatine intake. And I think that just, you know, that goes back to what we were saying last week too. If you go on an animal-based diet, with lower carbs, you're going to dump more water and electrolytes. So you need to up your hydration anyway. You just need to make sure you need to up it even more if you're going to start getting more creatine into your diet. Definitely. 100%. And I guess also too, like within meat, like you're getting all your amino acids. Like a lot of people try to supplement with like BCAAs and whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like it's, it doesn't, you don't really need to like people are like, okay, well, if I'm going to start animal-based, I have to keep buying BCAAs and all these things. It's like, well, you don't because you're already getting a complete source of them. And if you're eating, like say a pound and a half of meat a day, you're probably not going to have to supplement with BCAAs, like maybe in some circumstances, but for the most part, you're not going to have to. No, yeah. I did an experiment. Um, I used to be sponsored by Gnarly Mm -hmm. who has BCAAs and I was taking them daily, but then I started doing an experiment where I stopped taking it just to see if I like, actually noticed a difference. Mm-hmm. And I honestly didn't. And I think that's just because I do eat plenty of meat and I am getting those, that, that amino acid profile. So yeah, at least in my, in my personal N equals one experiment, the BCAAs didn't seem to have any kind of effect on me. And so that doesn't mean that's the same for everybody, but that is something that I noticed when I experimented a little bit. Yeah, I've definitely seen like a lot of con- like conflicting studies about if BCAAs are worth the money or not. And I've seen some that are just like, no, they're just total waste of money. You're just peeing it out. And then others that are just like, yeah, like it's totally worth it. But I wonder though, if you like, if you were able to look at people's diets, like if the people that ate more meat, if they thought it was a waste of money because they're already having a sufficient amount of amino acids where people with a poor diet or felt more of a benefit because they're lacking those amino acids. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's out there. We just have yeah. to look for it. <laughs> we'll have to do some digging. Add that yeah. to the show if notes. not, we'll just have to hire some researchers to do it for us then. <laughs> yeah. We'll just do some mega study on VCAs and uh, become the authority in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like I said earlier, though, like I like to eat um, like the mackerels and sardine and anchovies and stuff in the cans um, because you get you eat the bones with them. You buy the ones with the bone still inside. You get them deboned or with the bones. And like the bones are just full of vitamin D and calcium and it's actually bioavailable. And then you'll, you get a lot of omega threes as well in the fats with those. So this might be a, a, a newbie question, but mm-hmm. it's probably because I don't eat these themes that you just referenced, yeah. but you actually eat the bones, like you yeah. swallow everything in that can. Exactly. Yeah. And like, I was kind of weirded out about it at first. Cause I was reading online about it and I think it was, um, what's her name? Is it Rhonda Patrick? Uh, that's that's, who, that's, a, that's a person <laughs> yeah i think well she's like a nutritionist or something and yeah. um i think she had mentioned it and i was kind of like like why would you eat that that sounds disgusting because all the comments were like yeah like the bones are so small you just like eat them like they're just soft and they're not like like you would be thinking like eating like a steak bone or something or a cow bone and so i was and kind I think, of oh go ahead 
Are they different from like salmon bones? Because I know that you're not supposed to eat those. Yeah, they're they're really small and they're not very dense. So they they don't feel pokey at all. You just, just eat right through them like it's nothing. Like it's not even like they're not even as hard as like a crispy piece of meat or something. Like they're just they're just really easy to eat. So um, you chew the bones up before you, you swallow it. You don't you don't really have to chew them. Like you, you do obviously, but like they're just so small and soft that it's just like eating just a piece of meat basically. And I was really hesitant at first because I'm like, that sounds disgusting. Like I've eaten bones on accident before. I'm like, that sounds awful. And then I tried it and I was like, oh, this is actually not bad at all. Interesting. Well, I do have a can of sardines in my pantry from like five years ago. So maybe I shouldn't eat those actually, as I say that out loud. <laughs> yeah. Are those expired, dude? Because that sounds awful. Probably. I'll try it next week though. But yeah. <laughs> yeah try it. Try it and let me know. Because I guess they're also like, if you're eating bones, you're eating collagen in that as well. Like probably not a huge amount within some little fish, but. Right. Yeah. Collagen. That's, I think that's an important thing that we should touch on too, because <laughs> as you get, as you get older, it's, it's no secret that you need to start getting, you need to start increasing your collagen. Uh, for those of you who don't know, collagen provides a lot of vital necessities for the body. Uh, it provides joint support, hair support, skin support, nail support. And as you get older, your body starts producing less collagen. And so you either need to supplement collagen and, or eat more meat and animal byproducts to get that collagen. Yeah. And specifically, if you're not taking a collagen supplement, it's like eating like tendons and ligament type stuff. Cause like, yeah, the right. meat, like the muscle will have some bits of collagen in it, but you're going to get most of it from like the gristly parts. Right. So I know a lot of us just cut that off and throw it away, but like that's actually really nutrient dense and just kind of swallow it down. Like it's not, it doesn't taste bad by any means and your body digests it super well, or you can do bone broth, which is full of collagen. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask if you, uh, if you know how much collagen you get out of a, a, a bowl of bone broth. Um, I know like in the Epic, like the Epic brand, um, like college or not collagen's bone broth that they have, um, mm -hmm. there's like 10 grams of protein in it. And I'm not sure how much of that is collagen. Um, I'm, maybe it's all of it, but like it's probably most of it. And you, but you can also just supplement with the powder. Like I put collagen in my coffee generally or smoothies and things. And like you could do it, like, but you can also just get a lot of it through food. But I'm a big fan of doing like 20, 30 grams a day. And it isn't of collagen? Of collagen, yeah. Okay. And collagen itself isn't a complete protein. Like it lacks one or two amino acids. I'm spacing on which one it is. And so it's like, you wouldn't want to just take that strictly or just by itself after a workout. You'd want to combine it with a complete animal-based protein. Um, right. It's very good to supplement with it. Yeah. I usually, um, I have both like a flavored collagen, a vanilla collagen that Primal Kitchen makes. And then I have a non-flavored collagen that uh, Mountain Ops makes. <laughs> and usually I take two or three servings of that a day too. Like I'll, I'll put the unflavored collagen in my raw milk and I'll drink a like a shaker bottle size thing of raw milk and collagen after my workout in the morning. And then I'll also do it later that afternoon. But it's, I mean, I, and the thing that I love about an animal-based diet and like, we'll, we'll probably do an episode on this in the near future too, about the pros uh, of an animal-based diet. But something I've noticed ever since start, I've started taking more collagen is I've, my joints have started aching a lot less. And I obviously believe that that is also paired with an animal-based diet because an animal-based diet is lower in inflammation and less inflammation means less achy joints. But I, I do, I do personally see a benefit to 
upping that collagen in your diet, especially if in your like thirties or higher, like it's, it's a no brainer that you need some collagen in your diet. Yeah. 100%. I've noticed that when I cut back my collagen, just either I just forget about it or I'm like busy and just space, like adding collagen for thing into things that my joints do hurt more and my recovery is a lot less and my skin looks a lot different. And, and my nails too. Like I noticed when I like up my collagen intake, you can feel it in your like fingernails. Like they just feel mm-hmm. a lot harder. And it's interesting because like they grow faster and they're a lot more firm. And so when you go to cut your nails, you're just like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to break my nail clippers or something. <laughs> I didn't even think of that, that uh, connection. Like the past year I've been like, holy cow, I feel like I'm clipping my nails every week. And I used to go like a month or more without clipping them. And it's like, oh, I've been changing my diet and getting more collagen in my diet. So that actually makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Like once you start like eating properly, your body just grows like crazy, which is nuts. Um, But with collagen specifically, um, some brands will be adding, some brands add vitamin C to their collagen. Mm -hmm. Um, I know Gnarly does. And I, I don't know, like Dr. Axe and all these other like collagen powders you can find. And the reason for that is a little bit of vitamin C has been shown to increase the um, the absorbability of it. And so you can actually increase your absorption of the collagen by eating with some vitamin C. So like I've heard of people that take like a vitamin C tablet, but you can just have some fruit or something with vitamin C in it. And that's going to help quite a bit with the absorption of the collagen if your powder doesn't have it or something. So, or say you're having a bone broth. It's like, yeah, that it already is very bioavailable but add some fruit with that, like some citrus fruit, and you're going to get quite a big increase in the absorption of your collagen. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I knew that you uh, needed to increase vitamin C consumption if you were getting plant-based iron, non-heme iron that helps with that absorption. But I didn't know that that was the case for collagen. That's interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. And um, we'll define some studies. Like I, there's a lot of studies about it, but that is the reason why like gnarly and like these other people are adding vitamin C and it's not like it's making it sour by any means. Like it doesn't have that sour taste, but it just helps. So it's pretty right. interesting. Unless, unless you get a flavored collagen, like that vanilla collagen I referenced, mm-hmm. you really can't even taste it. Like I've added it to water even after a workout and it, like it, it's like a little bit of like a milky flavor i don't know how to describe it but like it really doesn't change the flavor at all yeah it's very minimal and like it does like i can notice in coffee if i just have black coffee with collagen i notice the flavor change a little bit but it's nothing drastic it's not like oh this is disgusting like a lot of things are just gross when you add it to it like some sort of supplement but you really don't notice it as you mix in the collagen it's not clumpy generally and just whatever just dissolves in it it's not a big deal right yeah but yeah, so point of the story, meat has a lot of benefits to it. Um, the things that we referenced was the protein, the creatine, the amino acids, and the collagen. Uh, I think another thing that would be good to talk about is the benefits of eggs and oh, focus yeah. a little bit on that. And then we can move to a few other stuff. But uh, eggs, what are your favorite things about eggs? They're cheap. They're easy. They're nutritious. And they, like, they're pretty like bland by themselves. But you can add things to them and they taste great. Like put salt on them, they taste great. Add cheese to your eggs, taste great. Add beef to your eggs, taste great. Add liver to your eggs, they taste great. <laughs> like they're just so versatile. You can do like a million different things with them, and they're just so good for you. Like I don't really see a yep. downside of eating an egg unless you're allergic to it. Like you can buy even the best quality eggs for a moderate price, and they go really far and they're just delicious. So like why wouldn't you eat eggs? Yep. And this doctor I keep referencing that that's on Instagram, he, he says, eat eggs every day if you want to, like, mm-hmm. 
and he's a, I, I, I can't remember if I said this in the last episode, but he's a cardiovascular research scientist. So he, he knows what he's doing and he recommends eating eggs every day. Um, and going off of what you said with like how you could do so many different things with it, like you could literally eat eggs every single day of the week and do something different with it. You can do sunny side up on Monday. You can do cheesy eggs on Tuesday. You could do plain scrambled eggs on Wednesday. You could add sour cream one day. You could add guacamole one day. Like there's just so many different things you could do to add a little bit of variety to it. So you don't, because I get it too. Like when I first started keto, I was eating eggs, maybe two meals a day, just because when I started me and my wife just had our firstborn son we were newlyweds. I had a low paying job. So the budget was tight. And I was like, the only way I'm going to be able to make this diet work is if I eat a bunch of eggs because they're so cheap. And so I would say after like maybe three months, I got pretty egged out and I maybe went like a whole year without touching an egg because I just like, I feel like eggs are one of those things. If you overdo it, they like just even looking at them makes you gag. But, uh, yeah, it's super important to like work on that palate and make sure that you're not going to bore it. So eggs are so easy to spice up. It's crazy. Yeah, it's funny, like adding milk or sour cream, like or even cream cheese to your eggs. Like, it's amazing. Like, it's such an, an easy thing to do. Like, it increases the calorie and the nutrition content, but they also just taste really good. And it just changes the flavor profile enough where this is good. Like, it's not, I don't know, they're just, they're so easy to change like the flavor on and I don't know. I just don't really see any negative or a downside of eating eggs. But professionals do, or certain professionals do. <laughs> yeah, I think like, I remember growing up, um, there was always the push for like eat egg whites, egg whites, egg whites, because the egg yolk is bad for you because of cholesterol. And there was yep. always that thing of like, you're eating too much cholesterol, it's bad for you. But like a huge portion of your brain is cholesterol. Your body needs cholesterol. And so there are all these like false narratives and false like, I don't know, statements about how eating cholesterol is going to kill you. But within the past few years, it's come out that cholesterol really isn't that bad for you as far as like a dietary source of cholesterol. So eating meat with cholesterol or eggs, coconut oil, whatever it is that has it, like it's it's not bad for you. Like it's a building block and your body needs it just as much as it needs protein or any other type of fat. Yep. There's another nutritionist that everybody needs to follow, or I guess not another nutritionist, but another person on Instagram that people need to follow who are interested in this approach. And that is nutrition with Tom and Lauren. I just stumbled across these guys three weeks or so ago, and I love what they're putting out. Mm -hmm. And they recently just did something on, on cholesterol and they shared exactly what you just shared, but some of the other things that they pointed out is that it's important to help with vitamin D synthesis in the human body. Um, it helps with testosterone production. It relieves anxiety. This was something that was interesting. I never heard of, but you know, they said that cholesterol also aids in helping to relieve mental disorders, such as anxiety. You can think of cholesterol as fuel for the brain, which is what you pointed out. A study conducted in 20. 2002 on Finnish criminals found that the majority of them had low serum cholesterol and were thus prone to aggressive outbursts and impulsive tendencies. Hmm. And there's a few other things that it lists. Go, go check them out. Nutrition with Tom and Lauren. They have a lot of good stuff, but they have this one big one that says you've been lied to about cholesterol. And that, that Dr. James Denich, he always talks about too, that cholesterol yeah. is, is good for you. <laughs> and I, I would say that's the question I get asked all the time on my animal based diet, especially like for my sister, she's a nurse, but like every time I see her and she sees what I'm eating for dinner, 
every time it's like, have you, have you been to a doctor recently to get your cholesterol checked out? <laughs> we should do a cholesterol test. Cause I'm really curious on like, on what it is um, for both of us. Cause we do eat a pretty high amount of meat and just like cholesterol filled foods. Well, I did it a year ago and they were elevated, but as soon as my doctor found out what I was eating and what my activity levels were, and uh, specifically, I always get it mixed up, which is the good cholesterol, LDL or HDL? I, I think don't, it's... I don't know. Well, shoot. Now we look like an idiot. <laughs> um, which cholesterol is good and which cholesterol is bad? Um so LDL is the one that's typically referred to as the bad cholesterol. Okay. And HDL is often referred to as the good cholesterol. And then there's also, when you go get a lipid panel done, you also get your triglycerides checked out. Mm -hmm. So that's what it was. So I did have slightly elevated cholesterol, but my triglycerides were at a level where basically the way I understood it was it kind of acted like fiber does to carbs. Okay. Like if you have, if you have a good range of triglycerides in your lipid panel, then the higher cholesterol essentially is like counter, like you don't need to worry basically. And so, so yeah, even uh, thankfully I, I chose a, a practitioner in this area that I know and trust that I, that's not going to have like a bias and like put me on some plant-based diet. If I ever get into a point where I might be unhealthy on my physical, I pick somebody that has an open mind to all nutritional aspects in life. And Thankfully, like as soon as he saw my panel, he was just like, yeah, your cholesterol is high, but your triglycerides are good. I know what you're eating. Like you're not eating a bunch of crap. So you're, you're good. Don't worry about it. No, it totally makes sense. I think it's important to find like the right doctor because like a lot of them like, oh, just go vegan or whatever. It's like, oh, that's not healthy. And we know that, um, <laughs> especially when right. they're overweight <laughs> eating a vegan diet, but that's a, another topic for another time. Yeah. The, the testosterone <laughs> link with cholesterol is really interesting to me and I was listening to a podcast um, and they were talking about how a lot of endurance athletes have low testosterone. It was something like 90% of, they were studying cyclists, for example, and the cyclists, like 90% of like pro cyclists had really low testosterone levels. And that's because they're just doing so much endurance work versus like weight-based type stuff. And so they were just essentially saying, it's like, you should not worry about it, like, eat more cholesterol to kind of up your testosterone. And it's really mm -hmm. interesting because like as men and even women too, like women have testosterone just different amounts. Like we need to worry about that. And if you're running like high volume, like you need to think about your testosterone and if cholesterol is helping your testosterone, it's definitely more of it. Yeah. You might need to say that again. You just cut out for about five seconds. Okay. Basically just like eat more cholesterol to help with your testosterone levels in men and women as well. It's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. Well, Two, we live in a society where testosterone is frowned upon. And that's something that this nutritionist with Tom and Laura talks about too. Like people correlate high testosterone with aggressiveness. And that's not like, I mean, that is the case in some instances, but like testosterone, men need testosterone. It's, it's, there's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, in my own personal case, I noticed, I want to say it was earlier this year that I was having a lot of energy swings, mood swings. I was more tired and fatigued and like, no matter how I was eating, I just felt like I couldn't shake the fatigue feeling that I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I'm fine admitting this on a podcast, but I had like a little libido. <laughs> um, but so I ended up going to a doctor and getting my testosterone levels checked out and they were low. 
And that's actually when I started upping my egg, uh, the, the amount of eggs that I was eating in my diet. And sure enough, like within, I want to say like two months at most after eating five to seven eggs a day, like my energy's back. I feel great. I have less mood swings. Like I feel a lot more normal <clears throat> where society probably would have told me that I was going to kill myself from how many eggs that I was eating a day at that point, but it actually helped me out in so many different ways. And testosterone was one of them. Yeah. And like, I think a lot of people just think, well, I'm just going to have TRT or something. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's an option, but if you can fix it with your diet, you should, because like TRT injections over the long term are bad for you obviously. Yep. <laughs> and, and then it's interesting though, too, like you talked about how testosterone is kind of frowned upon in society, but like, it's very necessary for men. And it's very necessary for women in different right. amounts. And I think it was, um, is it James Cameron? Is he the director of Avatar or like, yep. yeah, he came out with some statements saying that, um, that testosterone or testosterone is like, I don't know, a terrible, I don't remember exactly what he said, but basically it was like a negative statement about testosterone. And it was just really interesting to me. And like, I wonder if a lot of people who are or vegan or like vegetarian or plant-based diets or something. I wonder what their testosterone levels are like. And I wonder if that kind of accounts for some of the mood swings and injuries that are kind of floating around. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you, oh, this is probably getting into a gray area on if we should talk about this or not, but uh -huh. I'm just going to say it. Like if you, if you see, I didn't even make this connection until just barely, but if you see those videos on social media, on the news of, of like vegans who are out front of a butcher shop and they're just like protesting and just acting kind of irrational is the best way to put it. Mm -hmm. Like I, I've always seen those videos of them just freaking out and doing these weird things, like taking their shirts off and women smearing blood, like their period blood all over them. Like, I don't know if you've seen those videos before or not. I haven't seen the period it, blood. I don't want to see that, but uh, I, yeah, I've seen some no, of the craziness. I want to say it was in front of a butcher shop somewhere in New York, but some girl stood out in front of a butcher shop, took her shirt off and smeared her period blood all over her as a way to boycott killing animals. And like, when you see that stuff, it's just like, what is going on through her head? Because that is not something that a rational human would do. Like I get mm -hmm. protesting, but in that, sense that's very irrational and there's a uh, this is just a spitballing but there's a good chance that that could be from the lack of testosterone like 100 percent in my mind yeah totally like if you're eating foods without any cholesterol and then you're just lacking nutrients in general like if you're nutrient deficient you're going to have like metabolic issues and reproductive issues and testosterone and estrogen are going to suffer because yeah. of that and if you're not going to have the right balances like it just makes sense. Like it's just basic health. I feel like. Yeah. And that will totally affect your mood in so many different ways. <laughs> yeah. I, I do feel like, um, this is anecdotal, but also not, maybe there are, there's probably a bunch of studies to back it up, but like the, le like the more of like a proper diet you eat, like the more stable you are mentally, like if you're not just pounding sugar and like rock stars and all this crap all day like you're going to be more mentally stable and then be able to think more efficiently. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm sure you've noticed that, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I grew up with depression issues. I had to go to a psychiatrist when I was in high school and like mentally I was just all messed up and mm -hmm. 
again, this is just me spitballing. Like I have nothing to back this up. This is just what I think, but my diet growing up was awful. I, I had like biscuits and gravy every morning. I, uh, good. it was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd say that's like maybe my top five foods that I miss right now. Uh, but tons of biscuits and gravy. Like my mom made this I loved it at the time. Now I'm just like, holy cow, that sounds so disgusting. But she would make me, she'd get spam. You know what spam is, right? Yeah. <laughs> she'd get spam and she would shave it with a cheese grater into a bowl. And then she would add um, cream cheese, shredded cheese, and then smear it over two pieces of bread and then broil it in the oven. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. <laughs> it was so good. You have no idea. <laughs> I had that almost every day for lunch and then dinner was usually like some kind of bread, some kind of meat, and then, you know, cookies or brownies and ice cream. So like I, mm-hmm. I had a lot of junk growing up and I, I do feel like I noticed a difference in my mood once I switched to an animal based diet mm-hmm. and I, it's probably because I started getting the nutrients that my body needed and I was just mentally more sane. Yeah. Just to continue spitballing. I wonder like, how many of these issues that kids have where they're taking Ritalin and these like these sort of drugs is this simply related to their diet? Cause like if like a 12 year old kid is drinking a monster with a donut for breakfast every day, like obviously they're not gonna be able to sit still in school, but they're going to crash super hard, which is going to, which means they're going to be grumpy after that until they have another sugar and caffeine rush in the afternoon at lunch. And they're going to go that same cycle. And then it's a cyclical and you're not getting nutrients. So it's just, eventually you're going to just burn out. And one thing we know about teenagers is they are grumpy, unhappy people that, from what I've heard, parents wish they could go back to the three-year-old stage because the teenager stage just sucks. <laughs> you have to let me know how that goes in, uh, what, six or seven years? Uh, Killian's about to turn six, so seven years. Yeah, right. good job. <laughs> Let's circle back on that in seven years and uh, <laughs> see how that goes. Yeah. And we'll interview him and as I, well, too. <laughs> and I do think that would be good for us to do an episode on uh how to shift a child's diet to something that's more nutrient dense because mm-hmm. you might not understand this as much as me Derek but you get to a point as a parent where you just want your kids to eat mm-hmm. and it's it's a it's a sucky battle because you know especially with me being overweight and I know how I ate growing up and I know what that led to and I look at my children and see what I'm feeding them I'm just like I'm just setting them up to go down the road that I had to go down, which was not a fun road, Mm -hmm. but I am starting to do things like instead of goldfish, I'm buying almond flour crackers instead of just like the cheap hot dogs that you can get at Walmart. I'm buying grass fed organic bratwurst from natural grocers. So like there are some things that you can, and this is such a side note, but there are some things you can do to shift a child's diet. And I think it'd just be fun to talk about that on another episode one day. Yeah, that would be really fascinating to talk to you and maybe someone else who has kids and you guys can kind of like bounce ideas off of each other because like I don't have any children, but like I do imagine that's really hard. Like just seeing my sister, like she has three kids and like her oldest, like she just basically won't eat anything. She's just like, like PB&J and like, like hot dogs and pancakes. Like that's all she'll eat basically. And it's so frustrating for my sister because my sister, as she gets older, is now trying to like figure out how to eat more properly and her husband mm-hmm. as well too. And like they're trying to figure the things out, but now their kids are just so like they're just so used to eating like just stuff all the time. Like you're saying like goldfish crackers and pancakes with syrup and all this stuff. Like it's hard for them to kind of introduce new foods to them because 
if they they'd just eat ice cream all day if they had the chance and just drink soda. Exactly. Yeah, like it, it's it's insane. And my sister's like, oh, like I know it's not good for them, and she's trying to do so much better, and she's doing a really good job at it. But like, if your kid's gonna die from not eating, you have to feed them something. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. Like the worst option, but it's an option, I guess. <laughs> and just like hearing your sister's story, it's like you could just get uh, you could make your own bread, you could get unsweetened peanut butter, you could make your own jam. And then like, you know, you have the birch benders pancakes, which is almond flour and doesn't have a lot of stuff to it. You could buy real maple syrup. Like there's just small steps that you could take to, to increase the quality of a child's diet, which would hopefully eventually translate to them choosing to eat healthier stuff as they get older. Yeah, exactly. Cause then they'll, they'll probably realize at some point it's like, oh, well, if I eat McDonald's, like I feel like trash. It's like, yeah, I'm going to eat like real food. Like or exactly. pack things they don't want to feel terrible or if they're <laughs> so they get into sports or something it's like well i want to eat good because i want to perform so they're not going to be going to mcdonald's with the rest of the team every day or something like they're going to want to be eating right yeah um anyway back to eggs <laughs> yeah getting back to eggs like um a note that i made is like eggs are pretty high in iodine um there's 26 micrograms approximately in each egg and the rda is 140 micrograms a day so if you were eating like you're saying mm-hmm. six eggs a day you're getting all the iodine that you need, um, which affects your thyroid. Like people with low iodine have uh, thyroid issues, which can cause you like, cause weight gain, essentially. Do you know other foods that are rich in iodine? Um, I don't, honestly. I know like in some salts, they'll add it. Um, like bleach salt, like a Morton salt, they a lot of times will add it and it'll say on the label. Um, but I'm not sure what other foods are high in it. Like I'm assuming some seafoods are, but I don't really know. Yep. So they got fish and shellfish, uh, dairy, eggs, beef, liver, chicken, seaweed, which I guess makes sense because it's in the sea with the fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and this is off of harvard.edu, but yeah, it just lists the things that I just listed out. Thyroid issues though. That's a big thing. Um, you know, especially in women, like you see a lot of women who have energy issues, like the first question they get asked is, have they had their thyroid checked out? Mm-hmm. So I, it's, <clears throat> okay, go ahead. So I dated a girl years ago who, um, she had celiac and when we started dating like a month or two in, she got tested and she didn't know she had it. And then she got like, it was confirmed that she had celiac. So she was diagnosed with it, but then she also was having thyroid issues as well. So she was taking medication for it. And then as she cut out gluten and started eating like more of like real foods, um, the thyroid issue started to go away. And at one point she was like, I think I should just stop taking my medication. And I was like, yeah, maybe you could, but maybe you should consult your doctor before you just stop taking the medication that's that you're taking right now. Cause I don't know. Um, now she's a nurse practitioner. So maybe she knows better than me. Cause I'm not a doctor, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she definitely thinks, doctors. Yeah. We're not, not, we're not doctors. That's <laughs> for sure. But it was interesting to see though, like how, as soon as she kind of got out of that like major inflammatory cycle of eating gluten all the time, um, that just her thyroid improved. So I imagine like her iodine um, levels increased because she's able to absorb nutrients more because her gut line mm-hmm. is not destroyed by the gluten all the time. And even too, in my wife, Sarah's case, she used to have energy issues all the time. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You know, we would go to bed at like 10 at night and she would sleep till almost eight the next day. So she was getting 10 hours of sleep a night and she was just exhausted throughout the day. And so she, she's not doing like a keto diet by any means, but she's upped her eggs. She's lowered her, her carbohydrate intake. Um, again, not to the extent of a keto diet, but she, she has made some changes. And I would say one of the biggest one is not eating cereal for breakfast and eating eggs for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And now like, 
her and I get up at 6 a.m. together every day. We did a workout together this morning. We did some some arms, some glutes, and some core. And she she has energy throughout the day. She, like she cleans the she cleaned the house yesterday. She like just does so much more throughout her day now. And she's even getting up earlier. And again, I, I highly believe that that's because she simply replaced cereal with eggs and now she has a better thyroid. Yeah, and it makes sense. Like cereals essentially just grains which are super high on the glycemic index with sugar so like mm-hmm. it's definitely going to spike your your blood sugar and it's like it's like the video i sent you i think it was yesterday about the guy who was um he did a coffee test because there's some study showing that like drinking mm-hmm. coffee before breakfast is bad for you whatever so he's like i'm going to investigate this so he did like an actual study like just on himself so he like tested his like blood glucose levels and stuff and he like eat oatmeal and porridge he's british or whatever but um <laughs> It was just interesting, though, like how like he realized he didn't know this, that like eating grains will spike your blood sugar because they're essentially converted to glucose in your blood. Right. And right. so like he was eating oatmeal for breakfast. Today. He's like, oh, most people call this healthy. And it was just like spiking his blood sugar like crazy with or without coffee. And so imagine like eating oatmeal with brown sugar and syrup and raisins and all this stuff on it. It's like, well, yeah, like obviously it's going to like jack your blood sugar up. And so then you're going to have a major crash in the afternoon. Or mm-hmm. maybe an hour later, because it's not super filling. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. If anything, I would say if you're on the good, better, best train right now and just trying to make small changes, I'd say one of the best things that you could do for yourself is have eggs for breakfast, a protein fat type breakfast. And then if you're into oatmeal, if you're into cereal, maybe have that for lunch. Like, again, this is good, better, best. But like, I'd say simply switching, having cereal for breakfast sorry, switching cereal and having it for lunch instead of breakfast. That's one of, that's a, that's a big step in the right direction that you can take because you're going to make yourself more full right when you wake up, you're going to get protein right when you wake up, what your body needs. And chances are you're not even going to eat that much cereal at lunch because you're a lot more full and satiated from having eggs for breakfast. Yeah, exactly. Like eggs are actually nutrient dense, whereas like any cereal like is really not dense and it's fortified, but it's not like those are super bioavailable vitamins by any means. Right. So, right. I agree with that though. Like just making small changes. Like if you're going to like start doing an animal based diet, like just eat eggs with some meat or something for breakfast or even just eggs and cheese, like cooked in some decent oil, um, mm-hmm. butter, for example, or coconut oil. And you'll start making changes and you'll notice how much better you feel. Like just more consistent and full throughout the day. And not like full, like you're stuffed full, but just, you just feel good. Whereas like, yeah. I think we talked about before, like I could eat a whole box of cereal and be like, Oh man, like, I'm pretty full for like 10 minutes and then I just want more and I want more and I want more and I want more. And I'm just constantly yeah. tired and just chewing. Like, you know, those giant like Malto meal cereal bags that are like uh, massive. Like, I feel yeah. like if I just had one of those in front of me working all day on my computer, I could eat the entire thing probably. Yep. Like, like there's nothing in it. Like, it's like it's just grains and sugar. And like, I want to keep eating it because it's addictive, but it's not filling me up at all. My body's never like, oh man, we're totally satisfied as far as like nutrients that we need. Right. Same so, here. Yeah. That's why when people good. That's why when people ask me like why I can't just eat like one or two pieces of Skittle or something like that. Uh That's probably not the right way to say that. One or two one or two pieces of Skittle. (laughs) Cut them up. (laughs) Cut them up. (laughs) No, people ask like all the time, like, well, can't you just have like a couple of Skittles and call it good? I'm like, no, like I I'll eat that whole bag real quick if I start it down that road. <laughs> yeah, even if you like, don't enjoy it, you're just like you eat it like out of addiction. It's like putting alcohol in front of an alcoholic. It's the right. exact same thing. Like I don't really crave sugar anymore, but like if I'm like say right now I'm like at a family member's house in Phoenix, 
and she's my aunt's making all these treats right now. And like, if I have one, it's just going to go downhill from there. And I'll just keep eating, eating, eating. And I'm like, I don't feel good doing this. Like, it's just not like I mentally, like I'm not like beating myself up because I'm eating like crap. I just don't uh-huh. feel good physically because like it hurts my stomach. I feel the slimy crap on my teeth. And then I know how I'm going to feel the next day. And I'm like, why do I want to feel that way? And then I'll go drink like a glass of milk. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is delicious. Like this is what I really <laughs> wanted. But I'm trying to like, it's like I'm trying to fill a void with junk that I can easily fill with something nutritious, like some fruit and some dairy. And I think that's what people who like play into the whole diet culture thing don't understand. Like, and I, we kind of touched on this, but it's like, when you get to the point where you're eating this way consistently, like, yeah, a glass of milk tastes like a dessert. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and if you do need like some kind of dessert, like if a glass of milk doesn't fix it, something like for me, a spoonful of that, um, vanilla RX almond butter, mm-hmm. and maybe with like a little bit of raw honey drizzled on top of it. Like I eat something like that and I'm like, Whoa, I just ate like a, I just ate some cookie dough basically. <laughs> Dude. So, um, since I'm kind of traveling right now, like I got into Phoenix last night and then I went running this morning and, um, luckily my aunt lives near a sprouts. So like whole foods essentially, but like yeah. local-ish version. And so I stopped there, got some frozen fruit and some milk and I was looking for raw cream. They didn't have it sadly. But when I got back to her house, I made a smoothie and I had pom- like frozen pomegranate, which was on sale, which was awesome. So I didn't nice. have to like de-seed the pomegranate, which is the biggest pain in the butt. <laughs> right. <Awful. laughs> it's just a huge mess. Then I got some frozen strawberries and then I picked up some raw milk. And then I already had some honey um, in my truck with me. So like I got back to her house and made a smoothie with the raw milk and the fruit and the honey. And dude, it was like the greatest thing I've ever had. Like I was craving that my entire run. And I got back to the house and was just like, this is the best. Like I could have all this crap she's baking right now but I'd much rather have this smoothie right now. It was interesting. And it's nice being to that point, right? Yeah. When you're craving healthy foods instead of candy. <laughs> yeah, totally. It was funny. Now sometimes like I'll get these, like you can call them cravings, I guess, but like I'll say I'm in a gas station. I'm like, Oh, like some sour patch kids sounds good. And I'll try one. I'm just kind of like, like, can I just have some like raspberries and honey or like <laughs> raspberries and cheese with honey is like one of my most favorite things ever. Yeah, (laughs) it's so interesting how your like your your taste palette changes as you start eating real food, and how quickly it changes Uh, too. A hundred percent, it's awesome. Yeah, but I think so. Going back to eggs real quick, I just want to one thing that I thought of is like eggs are just so easy. Like obviously for breakfast, but like you could make like a like egg salad for example, like boil a few eggs, like mash it up with some avocado oil or like olive oil and some salt. And you have like an egg salad right there and it's super good, easy to make. It doesn't cost anything and just put it in a Tupperware and take it to work, put it in your fridge and you're good to go. Like, yeah, it's the easiest thing ever and it's super nutrient dense and I don't know, it, you can eat it really fast too. <laughs> and if you want more than just olive oil, buy some Primal Kitchen Mayo. Like I, oh yeah. I, like I, yeah, like earlier this summer, like I love egg salad and earlier this summer when I started switching to more uh, meat and fruit versus meat and veggies. Like, you know, cause for me, fruit is a dessert. And so like when I was making a steak, I was just like, all right, it just feels like I need something else with this steak. Like it used to be a steak in the side of veggies and now it's just steak. And so I started doing a lot of egg salad as my side and I would just boil the eggs, mash it in a bowl, throw in two tablespoons of primal kitchen mayo, add a little bit of salt and pepper, mix it up. And that was just the best side. It was awesome. Yeah. That sounds really good right now. Now I think I want to have egg salad for lunch. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I'm going to have it for sprouts. dinner now. <laughs> <laughs> Just boil up 12 eggs and make a giant egg salad. Yeah, it's so uh, good. Get some of the Chipotle mayo. 
Oh, that sounds awesome. Oh, the Chipotle mayo. <laughs> I had it but, for the uh, first time at Brownings and it was really good. It's so good. It's nuts. They also have a garlic aioli mayo, which I don't Ooh. do as much anymore since I'm trying to avoid garlic. But yeah. speaking of that, why I'm trying to avoid garlic, <laughs> um, I do think it's important to touch to why. So going back to the animal based diet definition I read online where it talked about Paul Saladino, his definition of an animal based diet is animal byproducts with fruit and honey. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious to know what you think of this, but why would an animal-based diet in his mind, well, that was an awkward question. In your mind, why do you think Paul Saladino defines an animal-based diet as meat and fruit and why that can't be meat and vegetables? I think simply because they're the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet and they're not lacking or they're not there's nothing in fruit and meat that's going to cause absorption issues. Mm-hmm. Right. So like with vegetables, there's like all these like concerns about how they're um, what's the word. And I'm spacing the word they contain the nightshades. Uh, not, no, it's like a, a compound in the vegetables. Um, what, what's it called? I'm spacing the name right now. It's not even in my notes. It's something I talk about all the time and I just can't think of what it is. Um, basically (laughs) yeah i'll add this one to the notes but essentially like vegetables have like a what people say can they have a an enzyme or something that blocks the absorption of a lot of stuff that's in them so like say like spinach for example has a fair amount of iron it's not heme iron but it's iron but a lot of people can't absorb it uh, right what's the freaking word it's like driving me crazy now to not i'm gonna look it up but i think the reason why i answer your question more appropriately like Paul thinks that meat and fruit and honey are the most nutrient dense bioavailable foods on the planet and looking at history and like ancestry and stuff like that data back or those data back up his findings or his current findings. And like he used to be pure carnivore and he realized, okay, I need to add some fruit to my or some carbohydrates to my diet. So what's the best source of carbohydrates? Like ancestrally, it's going to be honey, Mm -hmm. like whatever and like as far as like calories too like if you're out hunting like say like you're gonna be digging up like leaves like you're not gonna go get 30 pounds of kale out in the wilderness and like make a meal out of that like (laughs) doesn't make any sense it takes way too much time and it's not nutrient dense and so like why would you waste your time with that it's like like if you're a hunter gatherer you're gonna go after meat because it's it's protein dense it's fat dense a lot of micro minerals nutrients in it honey like that's kind of seasonal in most places but like it's very good for you and then fruit, like plants want you to eat the fruit so they can spread the seeds. They're not going to put compounds in there that are going to affect you negatively, I guess. Right. You might know this because I don't know this, but <clears throat> is there really anything in vegetables that you can't get from fruit and meat? Specifically like fruit and if you're eating organ meats? Um, I don't know, honestly. Um, I don't think so. Like. I'm I'm sure like a vegan or vegetarian would like have some sort of rebuttal to that or an answer, but uh, I can't think of anything that you can't get out of meat. Cause like, look at um like Sean Baker and these guys that eat strictly meat. Like they're not sickly by any means. Well, not just meat, but meat and fruit. Like, yeah. so I guess the better, the better question is, is there anything that you can get from a vegetable that you can't get from a fruit that you not, know of? Not that I can think of. Okay. Cause it's like, whenever you tell people that you cut out vegetables, like. They're always just like, 
you're cutting out vegetables. Yeah. And like, I, in my head, I'm just like, why is that such a thing? Like, is there seriously something in a vegetable that I cannot get from my fruit and my liver? Like, I just, I don't know. I, I should probably research that so I can answer my own question. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't really think, I don't know. I'm like, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's nothing in fruit, meat and honey that you would be lacking. Right. So Interesting. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too with uh, vegetables, and this was a big one for me. This was actually this was before I started uh, following Paul Saladino, mm-hmm. but uh, about a year or so ago, I noticed that I started to get bloated. I started to fart a lot. I started having GI issues, uh-huh. and I couldn't figure out why. And so I started doing a lot of research, and I learned about nightshades. And nightshades are in. A lot of vegetables, they're in plants, they're in tomatoes, eggplant, potatoes, peppers. It's also in tobacco. (laughs) Um, But nightshades for a lot of people affect them negatively. It affects their gut negatively. It gives them GI stress. Um, And again, a lot of vegetables have nightshades in them. And from what I've studied, and I have a page pulled up right now that talks a little bit more about that. But in nightshades, they have something called alkaloids. And these are chemicals that, like strangely enough, and I say strangely because I don't know entirely why, but a lot of people have a negative reaction to alkaloids and nightshades. And so I started like, when I learned about nightshades, I started like doing a little bit of retracting in my day to day and thinking about the days that I started having stomach issues and versus the days that I didn't have stomach issues. And the thing that stood out the most to me was every Sunday I go out, me and my wife go out to eat dinner with either my parents or her parents. It's usually my parents because they're a lot closer. But the way that my family has accommodated their cooking for my diet is making a bunch of vegetables for me because they know I'm not going to eat the potatoes. Mm-hmm. So at my parents' house, I'd eat like a lot of roast or some steak or chicken or something. And then I would just pile up the vegetables that she cooked. And it was usually a vegetable that was in the nightshade family. And those were the days when I had the most issues with my gut. And so that's when I started like thinking, okay, maybe I'm one of the people that nightshades affect negatively. So I'm going to start cutting out these nightshades. And I started doing that and the inflammation started to go down. My gut started to feel better. And then that's when I learned about Paul Saladino and I was like, okay, well, I'll just cut out all vegetables and just eat meat and fruit now. And ever since doing that, I feel amazing. You know, it's really interesting because like, I've noticed that as well too, like specifically with potatoes, because potatoes are a nightshade and mm-hmm. like, they're super good. Like, don't get me wrong. Like they're delicious. Like all types of potatoes are really good, no matter how you cook them, especially when you add like butter and sour cream and bacon, <laughs> whatever to them. Cheese. Cheese. Yeah. They're super good. But I've noticed too, if I eat them, like I get a lot more like of an upset stomach and like it happens a lot of my runs too, especially if, but like, I know a lot of people will eat them because it doesn't bother them, but the nightshades, like I know a lot of people have had major issues with nightshades in general and it's pretty interesting. Um, yeah. And the word I was looking for was lectins, which are in like, an oh. yeah. So like vegetables, grains, et cetera, are all full of lectins, which essentially block the absorption of like whatever nutrients are in the food. Yeah. And I, a phrase you see a lot in ingredient lists are soy lectin. Yeah. I wonder how related those are. Like, is that straight? Yeah. Is that literally just pulling the lectins out of soy and adding it to your product? Who knows? I've always wondered what soy lectins are. <laughs> I have no, I had tried to avoid soy as much as possible. Me too. <laughs> I've never even thought about the lectins and lectins. Like that's interesting. 
Yeah, and maybe that's not how you pronounce it. I'm gonna <laughs> look it up. Li- yeah, maybe yeah. we're both wrong, and people are gonna be idiots. <laughs> yeah, we just lost about fifty percent of our twenty people who listen to this. <laughs> we got we lost a bunch of credibility. Credibility, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, look so, at it, though. Go ahead. Yeah, but no, I was just gonna say, like, the thing <laughs> with diet, and when I say diet, like I'm talking about the diet where like your preference of eating. The thing with diet is it's it's always, and we've talked about this too, and I think it was the first episode, but, uh, you know, Jeff Browning, how he referred to himself as a flexitarian, mm-hmm. like that's what diet is. So <clears throat> for me, my diet evolved from vegetables and meat to vegetables, or sorry, from vegetables to meat, to fruit and meat with a lot more raw dairy and a lot more raw honey. And I feel great. And I think like people in the low carb world should really consider looking into this to adding more fruit into their diet. And, you know, scientifically speaking, if you up your fruit intake, there's a good chance you're not going to always be in ketosis. And I know that that's not everybody's goal, but in my case, last week I start or two weeks ago, I started using a CGM and this is my first time using a CGM ever since I switched from meat and veggies to meat and fruit. And honestly, like the amount of, like my baseline of glucose is a little bit higher than it used to be when I was not eating as much fruit. Like I would say my baseline was in the high seventies, which is pretty low. Mm -hmm. And then switching to meat and fruit, my baseline is the the mid to high eighties, which is still low, but like, honestly eating fruit, like I'd always check my CGM 30 minutes, an hour, hour and a half and two hours after eating meat and fruit. And my blood glucose spiked to the high 90s, maybe the low 100s at most. But then within like a few minutes, it came right back down into the 80s. And so I really do feel that like the perceived cons that some people might be afraid of, of introducing more fruit into their diet, if they follow an animal-based diet, those perceived cons are not going to outweigh the the pros that come from it because I have a lot more energy I feel a lot better. I'm a lot happier. Like, and I just like it better. Like fruit is so much better than vegetables (laughs) and taste wise. (laughs) Yeah. 100%. Like if I could eat a pound of fruit a day versus a pound of vegetables, like hands down, I'd choose a pound of fruit. Oh yeah. Any kind of fruit probably. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Though I do miss some, like I do miss onions and mushrooms sauteed and added onto my steak. Like that's, that's really good. (laughs) Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. It was interesting though how like, I don't know, people get kind of trapped. Like it's like, okay, like I'm keto or whatever, so I'm only gonna do or I'm carnivore, so I'm only gonna eat meat. It's like, well, you should be kind of playing around with your diet to find out what works best for you because like I don't know, personally, like I do it all the time. Like I try to find things that are gonna help me improve either my like running performance or even just like my health in general. And mm-hmm. it's like it's a constant quest because you're gonna find information that's like, oh, keto's bad, keto's good, vegan's good, vegan's bad. You're gonna find this stuff everywhere. Like no matter where who you ask, whatever, someone's gonna have a different opinion. So it's kind of finding out like what works best for you. And if you're super active, like if you're running 80, 90, 100 miles a week on a strict like carnivore diet, you could do that, but you're probably going to have better workouts if you add in some fruit and some honey and some raw dairy. Right. And I do think it's important to, and I I think we should probably start wrapping up soon, but um, I do think it's important to note that performance is not everything. I I do feel that my personal, like in my N equals one experience my performance has increased ever since eating this way. But even if it hasn't, like 
I do think it's important to note that performance is not everything. And the reason I say that is going back to some of these nutritionists that me and Derek referred to earlier in the episode. Yeah, I recently saw one where a nutritionist was a nutritionist was talking about the benefits of eating a pop tart before a run. Like one of the things that she said was that it's easy to digest, it's easy to digest and it boosts performance. And me, where I'm at, I don't feel like boosting my performance to whatever a, a pop tart may or may not boost it to. I don't feel like that is worth it when it comes to my health. And again, this is just me. Some people can disagree with me and I, I'm totally fine with that. But me, I would much rather just be cool with where I'm at performance-wise right now and not eating that Pop-Tart. Because for me, my health matters way more than eating a Pop-Tart is, is all I'm trying to say, just to like run a little bit faster on my training run. Totally. And like to kind of just, I guess, validate your point, it's like, I could have four Red Bulls before I go do like a 20-mile a run or something, or just all I drink is Red Bull the entire time. Yeah, I might feel great, but that's going to probably hurt my heart. My recovery yeah. is going to be terrible. Like inflammation is going to be like through the roof. It's going to be terrible, but you could have a really good run or a really good workout temporarily. But what does that happen or what happens long-term to your health at that point? Like it doesn't make That's any a good sense. Point. It's like you can, you're obviously going to run faster on like a super high carb diet, but what are the long-term effects of that? Like mm-hmm. if you're like a sprinter or something, like a keto diet is probably not going to work for you by any means because you need such like an explosive power. But like, I, I know plenty of athletes and people that have either had heart issues or become diabetic because they're like, oh, I'm a I'm an athlete, so I'm a runner or a cyclist or something. So leaving the super high carb diet and a super high glycemic index, and they have all these metabolic issues in the future. So like temporarily, yeah, you can have a poor diet and like have great performance, but the long term effects are gonna be devastating to your overall health. And I I think that's a terrible way to to live your life. Exactly. <laughs> But but we're the ones who are backwards for not playing into that, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Call, call us idiots for eating real food. It's like, come on. Yeah. Like it, it's kind of tried and <laughs> tested throughout the generations and millennia. Um, yeah. But I guess real quick, though, before we wrap up, um, so let's just touch on raw dairy, salt, and then organ meats. Like, just super, yeah. super quick. Um, I know, personally, like, I just like raw dairy. I think it tastes good. Like, as far as, like, milk, you can get raw cheese and uh, kefir kefir however you say it i don't really know um <laughs> but it has a lot of enzymes and, and things that get destroyed when you like pasteurize it and so if you're having pasteurized milk you're not getting the full um amount of nutrition you could be getting from that milk so eating like raw dairy or drinking raw dairy for example is just like really good for you and helps in digestion it's a good source of protein um some people say it fights allergies so yeah it does yeah so yeah. i recently i just started i'm i <laughs> Ever since me and Derek started this podcast and ever since I've started like following nutritionists who are promoting things that I personally don't believe are good to promote, I've started making it a point to like be a light on the opposite end of things and like promote things that I believe are valuable. Mm -hmm. And so I actually, I just recently made a video that I'll probably post later this week about the benefits of raw milk, but a hundred percent, like it reduces allergies. Um, and the reason is like, there's multiple studies that show that kids who grow up drinking raw milk have less allergies. <laughs> and the reason for it is because there's more healthy bacteria found in raw milk as, as well as um, the whey protein. It's not denatured. Uh, for, for those of you who don't know, the pasteurization process denatures the whey protein that's found in milk. Um, 
And then the other thing too, the, the two things that stood out to me was vitamin A and zinc. Um, there's a 30, I believe it was 35%. There was a 35% reduction in vitamin A through the pasteurization process. And then there was a 70% reduction in zinc. And then the other study that I read showed that there was like a complete elimination, a hundred percent reduction of beneficial enzymes. And so just raw milk in general, just like has so much more to it than pasteurized milk. Yeah. And then too, like the, sorry, the, the other thing that I just remember that stood out to me too, was that like, because so many vitamins and nutrients are like, uh, sh- like stripped through the heating process your, your bone health is better from drinking raw milk too, because you're getting more calcium and K2 because you didn't lose as much through the pasteurization process. Yeah. Also, I'm assuming vitamin D3 is affected um, yeah. by the pasteurization process, which is going to impact your calcium absorption. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that's why too, like I, I did find the link to that, uh, that low pasteurized, low temp pasteurized milk. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll send it to you so you can put it in the show show notes. But yeah, if you can't get raw milk, try to get a hold of stuff because it's I I don't know how much is stripped in this stuff since it is low temp, but it's obviously going to be better than like a high temp, like fully pasteurized milk. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's kind of the good, better, best right there. It's like make the best or do the best you can in a given situation. Yeah, good as milk. Better is low temp pasteurized milk best is raw milk <laughs> yeah raw milk made with cows that produce the a2 protein yeah because <laughs> there's a difference like there's different like cows here in the states for the most part like not all but for the most part they're a1 protein type cows and uh, the reason for that is because a1 protein type cows produce more milk so you get more you get more product for how much time you're putting into that cow mm-hmm. um, and there are some ranches and dairy farms here that have um, cows with the a2 type protein but that milk is generally more expensive but like I think in Europe, for example, like almost all the cattle there are the A2 type. And so that's kind of important too, because your body is able to absorb A2 protein better than the A1 protein right. within milk anyways. And I do want to quickly point out, I grew up on a dairy farm. I feel like a lot of people who have heard my story knows this, <laughs> but like you see all these people who are like protesting farmers and like the biggest thing, like I get it, factory farms, they're they're no bueno, like the environments that those cows are put in, it's not good. But the majority of farms, the majority of farms are not factory farms. You have a bunch of family-owned farms who treat their cows well. They do not strip the baby from the cow right when they're born, like a lot of vegan or animal right activists say. Like <clears throat> the the majority of the farms out there are good farms with the, like really good people who are taking care of the cows. So do not feel like you are supporting animal abuse by, by, by drinking a glass of milk is all I'm trying to say. Exactly. And I think most cows too are grass fed most of their lives as well. Like I grew up in a small town, a lot of, like, a lot of ranching and right. most of the cows are just out there like on BLM land, just eating grass and plants and crap every day. So there's not like they're yep. all stuck on these factory farms. Like maybe for like the last 10% of their lives they are, which is sad in itself, but like for the most part, it's not like they're just like living in a horrendous torture chamber every day. Like they are living outside, eating real food. They are with their babies. They are able to kind of like live free and stuff. Yeah. 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 So, which goes back to what we said last week, support local if you can, because you know, you're helping those people who are working 
day in and day out to, and this is a side note. Well, it's not a side note, but like cows need to be milked. Like, yeah. like growing up, I couldn't, me and my family couldn't go on vacation because the cows had to be milked. <laughs> so it's like, it, it's all part of the process, people. <laughs> yeah. I think not to get too into the weeds, but like when people are removed from their food, they don't understand like how animals and like livestock work and right <laughs> visiting like a ranch or a dairy farm or something would i think be good for most people or i guess everybody to actually see how things are produced and how most of these ranchers and farmers are actually taking care of their animals and they care about them it's not like it's not like they're just like some like stone cold killer type person just raising cows to make money most of these people like love what they're doing because it's hard work and if you don't right. love what you're doing you're not gonna like you're not gonna put the time into into ranching you're gonna become a lawyer or or some other like kind of bullcrap job that makes a ton of money because it's a lot easier to make millions being a lawyer than it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> and if you, the place that I get and this is the last thing I'll say about milk. Um, <laughs> it's easy. It's easy for me to get excited about this stuff because I am excited about it. <laughs> but like the place that I bought, buy my raw milk from, if you go to their website, um, it's like the place is called cash metal creamery. I don't know what the website is, but just Google cash metal creamery, go to their website and they have a, it's like at the top of the page, there's a link that says our team. And if you click on that, it takes it to a page, which has a picture of every single one of their cows. Each cow has a name and has a little biography next to it. Like it's kind of cheesy and kind of funny and kind of ridiculous. But at the same time, it's like this, this, group this this family cares about their cows and most most farmers care about their cows so g- go check out the website though it's hilarious like you get to meet the team you get to see that people actually care about the cows and that they are part of the family like it's not just some animal there that's there to make them money like it's it's a part of their family and a part of their team yeah that reminds me of that episode of portlandia where they go to the chicken farm because like they're at a restaurant eating like what was this hen's name and did it live a happy life and all these things and they go to the farm ends up being a cult and it's kind of weird but it's just funny because they (laughs) they really want to like i guess the gist of it is they want to know like how these chickens lived before they died or before they give up their eggs or something and it is important to know and like i like just to reiterate i think like you're saying like these people like love their animals like it's like yeah they are a utility as in they like provide for their family and stuff but they do love these animals. They want to care for them. And they're not just out there abusing animals every day. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, And just real quick too, like obviously you get organs from your, from cattle and whatever. And like, those are super important to eat and full of nutrients. So we talked about liver last week and, or the first week I should say, and this Mm -hmm. is such an easy food to eat and super good for you. And it's like any type of organ meat's going to have a lot of nutrients in it, whether it's heart or kidney or testicles or liver or whatever. It's like super good for you. Yeah. But you don't need to, you don't need to eat a lot of it though, too, which is is nice because organ meat can be expensive as we talked a little bit in the first episode, but yeah, like again, like I, I buy eight ounces every week of liver and I cut it up into a couple ounces each day and that lasts me throughout the week. So it's literally just $8 a week to be able to implement some liver into your diet. Yeah. And even too, like we talked about eating locally and like knowing ranchers and butchers and stuff. Like if you went to a butcher, yeah. they might be throwing out organ meats. Like like how many people in the States are buying like kidneys, for example, like something like that, or like maybe even the liver or whatever. It's like, you could probably get a pretty good deal on that. If you just talk to them like, Hey, like I want to buy 
like the kidneys from this next butcher or whatever or like yeah i don't know well i mean too going off of that like we we did find a butcher in this area where Mm -hmm. we basically went to them and was like hey if there's ever anybody that's getting rid of liver just let us know and give it to us and that's exactly what they're doing (laughs) that's awesome yeah it's good it's good to have connections <laughs> yeah totally and i think it's good for society as well to like you kind of know where your food is from and you make connections with people and like just kind of create a society instead of just living in your own isolated bubble all the time and ordering everything off amazon and uber eats yeah exactly and then just real quick too before we close um let's talk about salt because we mentioned that um like it's important obviously like you need to be eating like a fair amount of salt or sodium anyways in your diet um, and choosing like a proper salt that's not like a refined Morton salt is like really good mm-hmm. for you. Um, so like for example, like Redmond Real Salt, they they have a salt mine in Utah, and they're just mining the salt from underground, and it's like it's a pretty clean salt. It's not refined, so it's all these like micronutrients in it, and it's just super important for your diet to kind of like I guess fully like get everything you need as far as like vitamins and minerals. Yeah. And I know there's some people too, that think that salt is salt, but like you literally can taste the nutrients in Redmond real salt. It tastes way different. Oh, way different. It tastes good. Like it's like, like occasionally when I'm on the road, Redmond real salt, they make this like little travel size thing of salt that you can take with you everywhere that you go. Uh And a lot of times I I forget to grab that. And so we'll be at a restaurant and I, if I don't have it, I try not to have salt. But occasionally you'll go to a restaurant where it's just like, holy cow, this meat does not taste good. I need to add some salt to it. Mm-hmm. So I'll add some table salt to it. And it's just like, just like it tastes grainy. It tastes just off. Like the real salt, the Redmond real salt just tastes so good. And you taste like you're actually getting something out of it versus just like a flavor enhancer. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting too, is like, I think the Redmond mine is the only like sea salt mine in the United States. Yep. Um, and it's from underground too, because they get the salt flats in Utah and the whole area in the desert is pretty salty, obviously. But um, like it's it's kind of cool because you got this like locally produced product, so you're not shipping like say Himalayan pink salt from Pakistan or India or wherever. It's like it's just locally produced here, so you're supporting like American people, American jobs, and if you care about carbon emissions, like you're not flying salt from one side of the planet to the other. Like you can literally yeah. just get it here in the United States, and it's a really high quality salt, maybe the best salt. And what's cool too is the people behind Redmond are really good people. I've like actually met a lot of those them because after I did my zero calorie 100, mm-hmm. they they reached out to me. So when I did my zero calorie 100, I did water and then I just got Redmond Real Salt, uh, bulk potassium and bulk magnesium. And after I did the zero calorie 100, I think like the president of Redmond saw what I did and he reached out to me, invited me to his place, and they they have an electrolyte mix that's doesn't have any calories in it and it's basically what i used for my zero calorie run Mm -hmm. and they were showing it to me and they're like hey this is basically what you used on your thing like we we make this so let's work together kind of a thing but like i met all the people they're awesome they they follow the majority of the people at redmond actually do follow an animal-based diet and they actually have like a truck that goes around the northern state of utah to sell beef to sell eggs and (laughs) to sell raw milk actually too so yeah, it's really cool. I just found out this last week, actually. But great company, great people. They believe in nutritional eating, and they have a powerhouse of a product. Like Redmond Real Salt is awesome. Yeah, they also have an agricultural division too, where they they have like salt licks and stuff for cattle, which is pretty cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, salt is super important. And, and that's another thing that falls on the level of cholesterol, I feel, where it's been demonized. People mm-hmm. say that you shouldn't have too much salt on your diet. But, and I would agree that that's true when it comes to table salt. But when you're getting something that's like real salt, then you, you definitely need that in your body. Yeah, there's a really good episode of the Huberman Lab. Um, I'll link to it in the in the show notes, but it talks about sodium. And he basically says that like most people don't need to fear sodium. Like they have better biomarkers when they up their sodium intake in like almost every way possible. With some mm-hmm. caveats, like there are some examples where you don't not everybody needs to increase their sodium intake a lot. But he says that most people could benefit from it. And also in the book, The yep. Salt Fix, I don't know if you've read that before, but a lot of discussion on how sodium and salt has been demonized. But once people start adding more salt and sodium into their diets, like their health improved drastically. So it's it's pretty wild. Oh, interesting. I know that that cardiovascular researcher that we keep talking about, Dr. Chris or James Denich, he he talks all the time about Redmond Real Salt and the benefits mm-hmm. of it. And I know I keep bringing him up, but like he has a lot of good content around this this type of stuff. So I definitely think people would benefit from following him and learning from him. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. So. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, we, uh, oh, go ahead. I was, like, was going to say the same thing as you. So you go ahead. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we, we talked a lot in this episode. Sorry for the longer episode, but I think as Derek said at the start, it's important to define an animal-based diet. And I think it is important too, to end and say that kind of going along the subject of being a flexitarian and adapting your diet. I, I do think you can still follow an animal-based diet and have some vegetables. If that's your thing, if you don't feel that vegetables affect your stomach poorly, like it affects my stomach poorly. So I do feel like, you know, everything that we outlined today doesn't have to be constant for everybody. Uh, you can follow an animal-based diet and include a few other things. Like I said, too, like I, I add nut butter to my my fruit. And according to what we just went through, according to Paul Saladino, like that's not an animal-based or part of an animal-based diet. But I, I believe that it can be if you're still watching your health, watching what you eat, and still eating a bunch of animal byproducts. So just find what works for you. And if you haven't tried a lot of the stuff that we went over today, then you know, get brave and try it. <laughs> uh, but you know, if not, if you feel good about your diet, if you feel like it falls into play with what an animal-based diet is, then that's totally fine. Yeah. And I think just to reiterate that point too, it's like, I think it's important to listen to other people and get a, like, listen to a, a wide range of ideas about nutrition and diet and try them, like experiment with things and find out what works best for your body. Cause I think it's the same thing with taste. Like some people don't like certain things and that's fine. But like find what works for you. And like if yep. eating like I think obviously protein and fat should be a big staple in your diet. But like if vegetables don't work, don't eat them. If they do, great, eat them. Like I don't think we should demonize those things. Or like if potatoes work for you, cool, eat them. Like I have friends that eat potatoes. Like I don't think they sit well with me, so I don't eat them. Same thing with nuts. Like nuts for mm-hmm. the most part don't sit that well with me. So I avoid most nut butters. But like if they're good, if they're working for you, it's like who am I to say like don't eat a nut butter? So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We, we appreciate everybody listening through our rambling and our trying to figure out if we know what we're talking about. <laughs> hopefully as these shows go on, like we, we mix and mingle better Derek and hopefully people uh, find a lot of value in this, but we, we do appreciate the listeners. And again, let us know if there's anything you want to talk about in future episodes. Yeah. I say we leave it at that and uh, call it a day. Okay. See you next week, everybody. (laughs) See you next week.